Well, I want to thank the worship team for, right before I get up to preach, reminding me how often I fail at remembering that God is worthy of every breath that I breathe and how often I forget that. So thank you uh, for that. Would you please join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we lift you up this morning. We know that you are um, sovereign and good and worthy. And God, we recognize that we uh, so often forget that and we live life without you as the focus um, and we try to put you aside or limit you to just certain times of the week or day and we apologize and confess that to you. We thank you that you are um, a God who wants us to enjoy the best things in life and, and that you are the best thing in life. And we just thank you for sending your son um, to show us that and to provide a way that we can be reunited with you, reunited with you in fellowship. And we ask that as we uh, open up the word today that we will have open hearts and ears and we will just be able to um, learn from your word and internalize the things that it teaches us so that we can uh, make life change, that we will be different people because of who you are in our lives and that uh, this won't just be lip service but that we can really uh, invest in you and become the people that you created us to be. It's in your son's name we pray these things. Amen. So we're going to start this morning with a little imagination exercise. Uh, so what I want is for all of you to close your eyes again. Uh, if you're at home watching this online and you have kids to watch, you can keep your eyes open. Hi, Kara. Um, so we're going to close our eyes. I'm going to describe to you some things. I want you just to try to put yourself in that place. And I know that this is going to be a little bit of a difficult thing to imagine because it has been a long time since most of us have done any of these fun trip activities. But we're going to imagine the perfect vacation. So uh, imagine that you're under a sun umbrella at the beach. There's nice music playing over by the ice cream stand. Um, you're in Hawaii, there's the beautiful ocean right there, and, and later that night you're going to go to a luau and there will be good food and it's great. Or, or if you're like my wife, that perfect vacation is in Hawaii, you are snowed in in a cabin in Montana with no plans for the next week except to sit with warm blankets, a roaring fire, and a nice book and some good food. Or maybe, maybe it's a luxury yacht that you own and you're there with your closest friends and you're having fun and there's a big shuffleboard court on the dock, which that's a thing that people play, and you're just so excited and you're on a trip to wherever it is that you want to go and there are no limits. And so you can open your eyes and this, this vacation, this dream vacation, I feel like is a lot of people's ultimate goal in life, is how can I get to where that is happening more often than not? Um, I want to experience that kind of pleasure, that kind of um, release from this world as often as possible. Uh, this is the dream. This is the good life. This is the thing that we strive for in our world. We strive for this enjoyment, for this opportunity to enjoy and find pleasure in things. Now, remember all those vacations I just described and now multiply that by about 10. Um, that is what King Solomon is able to experience in the book of Ecclesiastes 
and he writes about it so that we can see where his experiences lead. And so he's going to help us look today at the vanity of seeking pleasure or the vanity of pleasure. But before we jump into the passage today, which is going to be in chapter 2 in the book of Ecclesiastes, I wanted to just take a second to remind us of why Solomon is writing this book, because I think we can get lost in parts of this book that are really depressing. We can get lost in, in a lot of the thoughts that he's having. We can forget about why is he writing this. And so Solomon is a teacher. He wants, he wants to teach us about uh, life. He, he writes Proverbs to his sons as a way to find wisdom and what wisdom can bring. And, and he's writing Ecclesiastes because he's wanting not only to find out for himself what life means and where we can find meaning in life, but he's also trying to teach us as his readers. He's acting as a teacher. Where do we find meaning in life? And so he's willing to go full out into any pursuit or anything that he thinks might bring him meaning. Um, in fact, it seems like he, he tries everything he can think of and he goes full into it. This isn't um, sort of a half-baked plan. He really goes all in. He's willing to enter into whatever it is that's bringing him meaning. And yet, it's really important that uh, we realize that he's able to keep his wisdom as he's doing this. Verse 3 in chapter 2 says, I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom. And so he's continuing his wisdom. He's writing this book trying to help us find meaning in life as he searches for it himself. Um, now, the last couple of weeks, Pastor Chuck and Pastor Dave have looked at how uh, Solomon tries money and accomplishments as paths to meaning. And of course, we learned that outside of God, those things come up short. Uh, they're not actually fulfilling. That's uh, described in Ecclesiastes as a striving after the wind. But the, the issue then becomes not only is it not effective, it, it doesn't bring meaning, uh, but an improper understanding of those things can actually lead to idolatry, um, help take us farther away from the Lord. And so today we're going to be looking at pleasure. We're going to continue that pursuit that Solomon is on as to looking for meaning in his life, and this time he's going to use pleasure. Now, I am going to assume that uh, the other pastors helped, helped me or you know, had me pick this section because I'm such a pleasure to be around. So they figured pleasure, he's, he's the fun one, we should have him talk about pleasure. So that's what I'm going with. Um, and so uh, join with me as we read Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them in all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. 
I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toils. Because, of course, um, we are not saying we should never enjoy life. But um, these are the earthly pleasures, these things that Solomon is trying. And so um, Solomon's going to be looking at some of the, the normal things that people find pleasurable. I admit there are people out there who find strange things pleasurable. For instance, um, people enjoy actually hanging out with 6th and 12th graders. It boggles my mind. I don't know how that happens. But there are people who have weirder pleasures than these. But Solomon's kind of trying to cover the gambit of what is the normal pleasures. And so to help us grasp that, he goes in and he, he kind of lists off the types of pleasure that people will try as they try to fill their life with meaning. And so he, he talks about all these sorts of pleasures, and we're going to take a little bit of a closer look at what he says here. He says, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. Basically, anything that Solomon saw that he saw and thought that would bring me joy, he, he, he got, he took. Um, if any of you have seen um, Marie Kondo's, uh, you know, you hold up something and if it brings you joy, you keep it. And if it doesn't bring you joy, you throw it away. Solomon's kind of like the worst person to work with because he's like, this brings me joy. I'm going to keep it. And it's like everything that he wants. Um, and so Solomon's going through whatever his eyes desired, he, he got. He also goes again to accomplishments and money once again. And they bring about pleasure for many people. And that's why we talked about them in the past weeks. In verse 3, he tries alcohol as a way to find pleasure and meaning, a way to escape the drudgery of life, escape into this uh, different world where things are good and happy and pleasurable. We also see him enjoy the beauty of nature with gardens and parks, so he's um, not escaping something, but he's embracing the beauty around us and trying to find beauty and meaning in that. He looks to possessions and everything that he, he could find that he thought he would want. He has slaves and um, possessions and herds and flocks, and he's like a collector trying to finish the set and seeing if that will finally bring him validation and meaning. He tries art and the creative spirit. He gets these singers who can sing beautiful songs, and will that bring about this meaning? You know, can I find meaning in art? And then there are two more which I think are, are still super prevalent in the world today, and all of these are definitely here, um, but he tries sex and power to bring about uh, meaning in life uh, with his wives and concubines, with being the king who is like no other king before him. And as we read this list, I can't help but think that what we're seeing here really is hedonism. Uh, Solomon is doing whatever pleases him the most, with no concern for others. Um, whatever is, the, the, the good things are the things that make me happy. And we see this quite clearly. He's got these slaves, he's got these concubines, people that certainly wouldn't want to be there, but it, it might please him, and so he's trying it. So Solomon has embraced uh, hedonism. He's trying it all. And again, please remember that even in the midst of this, he is keeping his wisdom there as he tries to find meaning in life. And so Solomon tries it all. And we've seen people 
really struggle to make these things to fill the void that they have in their life. Um, there are lots of people that we know who have tried to fill their life with these types of pleasure. History is filled with types of people who have filled their life with this pleasure. Um, the Bible is filled with people like this. It's not hard for us to make that leap to understand what a common issue this search for pleasure is. And Solomon understands this. Um, we'll get there later, not this week, but in chapter 3, verse 11, uh, we see that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. We are searching for something that will fill that need, and that is a common thing, a, a unifying thing for all of humanity. We search for this, this void filler. Uh, growing up, and, and maybe this is a pretty common thing, I always heard the idea that humans have a God-sized hole in their heart, and of course the only thing that can fill a God-sized hole is God, and yet we try so often to fill it with other things, um, whether that is money, whether that is accomplishments, or in this case, pleasure. Um, now, if we all can, can think of people that we know or people in history or even people in the Bible that have tried this, have dedicated their lives to pleasure or money or accomplishments, um, and we know that Solomon lets us know it's not going to work, so how good is it that we have this book in the Bible here so we can learn from the mistakes of someone who went down this road and tried to fill their life with pleasure so we don't have to make those same mistakes? Now again, Solomon has kept his wisdom. He is acting as a teacher or in a way almost like a scientist. It's like each new thing as we go down this list is his hypothesis. If I can only fill my life with blank, wine, women, um, nice trees, water, all these different things that he's trying to fill his life with. If I can fill my life with this, it will give my life meaning. And so verses 3 and 9 show us he's kept his wisdom. He is acting as a teacher, as a scientist, even in the midst of what I think we can only call debauchery. Um, now, his debauchery is a little different. Again, remember that his, his vacation was 10 times better than our vacation. Um, it would help us, I think, if we looked at a little what do these things translate into our culture today. Um, some of them are, are very similar to today. Alcohol and sex and power are pleasures that have drawn people in very similar ways since the beginning. Uh, certainly the mode has changed from Solomon to us. Solomon had 300 wives and 700 concubines. Um, so for him, the draw of sex was a lot different than the draw of sex that we see in today's culture. I think today it's this sort of casual relationships and sex's only meaning is to bring pleasure to me. There's, there's nothing else to it, but there's that draw of the pleasure of sex still. Um, and then power for, for Solomon. He was a king unlike any other kings before him in Jerusalem. We're not quite there. Um, and yet, I think we can all grasp and understand the idea of the draw of power, uh, of bringing pleasure, of being in control. We see that all over today, even in the church. How many times recently have we heard this and this pastor has had to leave the church because of uh, an imbalance of power or a working poorly with the elder board as they, they butted heads. And so we see that power is this, this draw that people have as they search for pleasure, and it's one that Solomon can experience and has experienced as well. And so, just because his pleasure is multiplied and in a different context doesn't mean, um, doesn't change the fact that we are still searching for pleasure, or excuse me, 
searching for meaning through pleasure just the way that Solomon was. Um, maybe we can't reach that level, but I do think of the, the phrase that I'm working for the weekend, right? I, I spend all my week working and it's drudgery and I don't like it so that I can get to that pleasure. It's that pursuit of pleasure. That's what I'm really looking forward to um, while negating all of the things that I'm doing in the week. And so we search for that pleasure. So uh, the one thing in all this list that sticks out to me specifically about today's culture is the pursuit of things. I think that is a very um, American thing to struggle with at the time. We want the biggest and the best. We're willing to take from others at times. And we, we imagine, we like to confuse ourselves and feel like we're going to be able to bring these things with us when we die, which, of course, we can't. So now that we have seen the pleasures that he fills his life with, we've gone over what, what are the things that Solomon is trying to view in his, his quest for meaning. Let's see what the result is. And so that brings us to the risks of pleasure. And I think it is made very clear in verse 11, which I'll read right again. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Solomon does all these things. His, his pleasure is multiplied infinitely. Uh, he, he is powerful and rich and um, enjoying life, and yet it doesn't bring him satisfaction. And so that then begs the question, how do we view pleasure then, what do we as Christians do with this idea of pleasure? And so as Pastor Chuck and Dave shared about money and accomplishments, um, these things aren't inherently bad. Uh, money can be used to further the kingdom. Success is something that we strive for. The problem comes from the love of money or the desire for success trumping our desire to serve God. And similar to those, I'm not going to say that pleasure is inherently a bad thing. Throughout scripture, we see commands and examples to enjoy life. But I do think that there is an issue with pleasure that there isn't with money or accomplishments. There's something that makes it a little different. And uh, for me, maybe this is because I think of those three things. This is the one that I'm going to struggle with the most in my life. Uh, I... I didn't become a youth pastor for money, um, and I, I certainly am very, I, I've, and the highest point of power, and they still serve God more than they serve um, themselves or um, they're excited about their power. And so we can have these people who have money and, and power who still love God. However, we as believers are not called to be experiencing pleasure all the time, especially and only when we're thinking of the definition as earthly pleasure. And so um, people whose life is filled with this earthly pleasure are missing things that are a part of a Christian walk with Jesus. The Bible tells us all throughout the Bible and not just in Ecclesiastes that there are things that are going to be hard. John 16.33 tells us that we are going to have tribulations in this earth. Romans 8.18 talks about the suffering that we're going to experience. So how do we, how do we put that in with this idea of pleasure? Um, as believers, we should expect hardships. Hebrews 13.16 instructs us to sacrifice for others because it is pleasing to the Lord. And sacrifice isn't a thing that is earthly pleasurable. 
Um, there's also Matthew 16, 24 through 26, which says this. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? These are such a clear indication that we can't fill our lives with earthly pleasures even if we have the right perspective on it and, and be Christians that are experiencing the full gambit of what it means to be a Christ follower. Um, and now, there is, there is a, a, a right perspective on pleasure, and we're going to get there. But before we get there, I think I just want to make it clear that there's a definite line with the amount of pleasure that I think we should seek in this life. If we spend all our time thinking about planning for doing that vacation that struck you at the beginning, no matter if we have the right perspective on vacation, where you know God wants us to have Sabbath, excuse me, have Sabbath, um, even if we have the right perspective, we are missing key aspects of the Christian walk if we are only experiencing earthly pleasures. Derek Kidner is a, a commentary writer, and he writes this, the more that you hunt for pleasure, the less of it you will find. And I think that that is really true because we're missing what is the actual joy of pleasure, where we should find our pleasure, and that does bring us to the joys of pleasure. Now, clearly, I'm not saying that pleasure is a bad thing. We can't read the book of Ecclesiastes and think that pleasure is a bad thing um, because God wants us to enjoy things. In verse 24 in chapter 2, it says, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. And chapter 9, verse 9 in Ecclesiastes says this, Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. So Solomon even says, eat, drink, be merry, enjoy life with your wife. These are good things. Other places in the Bible also help us to understand what pleasure is. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Okay, so when Solomon is trying these pleasures in verses 1 through 11, they're these earthly pleasures, things that the earth can provide. But one of the great things about union with Christ is that it allows us as Christians to experience the same thing as other people and have a completely different takeaway. Um, James 1, verses 2 through 4 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We as believers have the opportunity and the ability to find pleasure in sacrifice and service. Jesus modeled that for us. He washed his disciples' feet. He, he sacrificed his time while he healed and listened. Um, he sacrificed his reputation by eating with the undesirable people in that community. He served the people around him. And that was a pleasurable thing for him to do. We have that ability as well. We can find pleasure in periods of deprivation and reliance on God and others. So we can intentionally sacrifice and serve and it be pleasurable. And these are the pleasures that we need to invest in. And those are the ones that we will be able to take with us.
Now, God is a good God, and he, he doesn't limit our pleasures only to these things that uh, sound unpleasurable to the rest of the world. God doesn't say, all of your life is going to be misfortune, and you'll just experience great terribleness all of your life, because he gives us common grace. Um, he has given us good things in this world. There is nature. Solomon tries nature, and it's a good thing. My wife and I love going in nature and experiencing the beauty there, and, and it sometimes brings us closer to God. He's given us relationships with other people, whether that is a spouse, whether that is your family, whether that is friends. There's fellowship that he has given us. Even things God has given us to bring about pleasure. And art and creativity are, are things that can bring about this pleasure, and these are good things that we can find enjoyment and pleasure in. However, these aren't the things that will bring us meaning in life. And that's where we really need to make the distinction. Now, this isn't, this isn't from Scripture, but it's something that's always stuck with me. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of the younger people in the room won't even know that this was a movie, but there's a movie called Chariots of Fire, and it came out, and Eric Little is this guy who is a runner, and he's an Olympic athlete, and he's very fast, and he is a believer. And his sister at one point in the movie is talking to him about how he's missing aspects of church life and, and, and maybe he's picking the wrong thing to do and, and maybe God's going to be disappointed in him. And Eric says, God made me fast and when I run, I feel his pleasure. And I think that that just helped me as a, as a young person growing up realize that God wants us to experience pleasure in this world. It's not like pleasure is a bad thing. Um, but it is just a portion of the Christian life. And I think that's where Solomon missed it. He tried to make, in this chapter, pleasure the entirety of his life. And so pleasure, the pursuit of pleasure, can go too far either in both ways. Um, it wouldn't be appropriate for us to live in solitude and reject this world completely. Um, it isn't right for us to, to cause bodily harm to ourselves so that we avoid the pleasures of the world, as I know some, some monks still do in the world. God has given us good things to enjoy, and we should enjoy them. And of course, you can go too far the other way, way, where Solomon does, where we're dedicating our lives to pleasure. So we need to be careful so that we recognize that the pursuit of pleasure is hard to hold at bay. And there are going to be times as believers, as followers of Christ, where we are not going to be, go th we are not going, to be going through what the earth would be considered, uh, on earth would be considered pleasurable times. So, um, as we think about the book of Ecclesiastes, just having gone over the ways that money and accomplishments and pleasure will leave us at the best disappointed and most often desiring the wrong God, is it, it's important that we look into our own lives and see where the struggles are that we have with these issues. Uh, earlier, I made a joke that they, they asked me to speak on this because I'm such a pleasure to be around. Uh, I actually think God wanted me to do this so that I could evaluate how I view pleasure in my own life. And there was a lot of self-searching and uh, self-actualizing going on this week. Now, it's hard to give up the pursuit of pleasure. Um, these things come from God. But there are so many aspects of a fulfilling Christian life that we're going to miss if we have a life that is filled with earthly pleasure. Um, if we are unable to serve and to sacrifice, if we're unwilling to pick up our cross and follow God, we are going to miss some key aspects of what it means to be a believer. 
So if this is an area that's really difficult for you to handle, uh, to get a handle on in your own life, I would encourage you to practice some spiritual disciplines. That's something that I have done um, as I have fought against this desire to fill my life with pleasure. Um, Spend time fasting. Seek solitude. Purposefully place yourself in a position of discomfort so that you find your sustenance in God, and then you'll find your pleasure there as well. If you have questions about that or what that can look like in your life, I would encourage you to read Donald Whitney's book, uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Um, My wife and I taught a Sunday school class on this, I think, uh, two summers ago, and it was uh, just a helpful thing in our own life as we've move forward trying to adopt some of these things, um, these, these spiritual disciplines that will help us to combat pleasure. So to combat the vanity of pleasure, we can intentionally give some things up. We can intentionally give up some pleasure. Step out of comfort and step into service and sacrifice. Now Solomon stops this passage that we read with little to no hope. Um, everything is meaningless Striving after the wind. This isn't where he ends the book. Serving God will bring a pleasure greater than any that the earth has to offer, and our meaning will be found there. Let's pray as we end with that thought that there is a greater pleasure to come. Dear God, again, we just thank you for this, your word. We thank you for Solomon uh, and his willingness to experiment and to try these things out for us and help us to learn from his mistakes and help us to gain the wisdom that... um, At times, he he showed that he didn't have. Help us to be Christians that serve others and sacrifice for others so that we can experience the full range of what it means to be a follower of you. In Jesus' name, amen.